Welcome to Iro Live with host Bob Bay. If you've been following along, we've been talking about the book of Exodus in our journey. We've left Egypt, we've wandered through the wilderness, and now God has drawn us in the journey, we being the children of Israel. God has drawn us to and brought us to Mount Sinai, which represents his abode, his dwelling place on earth. This is where God met Moses in the burning bush. He's had several experiences with his prophets through time here at Mount Sinai. It represents, after the Garden of Eden, Mount Sinai represents the dwelling place of God until the tabernacle or the tent is established, and that becomes his dwelling place. Mount Sinai is the mountain of God. And so God has called the children of Israel there, and that's in Exodus chapter 19, and he makes a covenant with the children of Israel. And he says, you're going to be my special people. If you will heed my voice and keep my covenant, you will be a special people to me, a royal priesthood. And that's where we had kind of left off before. What God begins to do now in this story is he begins to establish his holiness and to make the children of Israel understand that he's not like other gods. He is not like the other gods. He's not like the gods that they've known in the past. He's not like the gods that other people have known. And so in chapter 19, he says, listen, Moses, okay, the people have agreed to the covenant. I want you to do this. I want everybody to consecrate themselves, take three days to consecrate themselves, purify themselves. And then in three days, I'm going to come down and I'm going to appear to them. They're going to hear my voice. But listen, Moses, you got to set a barrier. My children cannot come and touch the mountain. If you touch the mountain, they'll die. Even animals, if they touch the mountain, they're going to die. And what God's wanting to establish in this is he is holy. Remember what he told Moses back when Moses came and he was in the burning bush? He said, take off your shoes because where you're standing is holy ground. And so he's establishing this. I am a holy God and you cannot just come up and treat me like you've treated all of these other gods. I am powerful and my holiness is more than you can handle. And so he's trying to establish this in this moment to say, Keep a barrier, Moses, keep them back. And so then God comes, and he comes in a a fire and smoke, and he just scares them. He terrifies them. They're like, whoo, this is scary business. This God stuff is scary business. We read that the people even say, this is too much for us. Moses, God is too much for us. You go talk to God, and then you come tell us what he says. And we'll take it as it being from God because he's just too much for us. Which I totally get. You know, we think of it now from our Christian perspective uh, with our Christianese. Why would they say that? Why would they be afraid and all that? It's because God was so awesome. And he wanted them to understand that there is a barrier between you and I. There's a difference between you and me and all of these other gods that you've worshipped over the time. And that's what he lays out in chapter 19. And then that leads us right into Moses goes up on the mountain and receives the Ten Commandments. Those commandments are the foundation of the Old Covenant. 
The Mosaic law is part of the old covenant. And remember, God says, obey my voice and keep my covenant and you will be a special people to me, a royal priesthood. So that was then. And so we're going to come back to this part of the journey in a little bit. But what we need to do now is we have to look forward to when Jesus came because we're under a new covenant, right? But God did not let this go by. He understood. In chapter 20 of Exodus, God begins to explain the Ten Commandments and about who he is. Things like don't steal, don't hate, don't murder. Let's go to Matthew. If you go back to chapter 3, now I'm going to parallel this for everybody, okay? We had the children of Israel left Egypt And they were baptized in the Red Sea. When the sea parted, the parting of the Red Sea, and the children of Israel went through. Remember, we talked in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, Paul talked about the children of Israel being baptized into the Spirit of Christ through the parting of the Red Sea. Jesus comes to John the Baptist in chapter 3 and says, baptize me. John says, no, I, I can't baptize you. You should be baptizing me. And he says, no. We have to do this to fulfill all righteousness. God's got a plan, and he's trying to show people what's going on now. Now Jesus is baptized, and what happens right after that? The Spirit comes. People hear the voice, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. And then the Spirit leads Jesus out into the wilderness for 40 days to be tempted. Now they know then that this story is not a coincidence. We know from looking back at this point, that the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. Jesus went out into the wilderness. You see the parallel there? And he's tempted by the devil. Now, what are the things that he's tempted by? In chapter 4, it talks about this. And I'll just touch on a few things. Satan comes to him and says, If you're the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. And he answers and he says, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Now, if we think back to the old covenant, God said, obey my voice. Now it's talking about every word that comes from God, living by every word that comes from God. But also Satan is tempting him with one of his natural needs that God put inside each and every one of us, that thing for food, right? But it also correlates to the hunger that we have within us. Remember, we talked about the children of Israel in their journey and their hunger, and God provided the manna for them. See the parallel there? Then Satan takes him up into the holy city and says, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge over you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. And and Jesus said to him, It is written, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. Now, I can talk about how that parallels with the relationship that we have with God and the socialization part of it. Jesus had the angels in relationship to who he was, but it also talks about the significance that we all have, and that goes in with the next part. Satan says that if you'll bow down to me, I'll give you all of these kingdoms. And Jesus says, away with you, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. So once again, remember we talked about the needs. 
that we all have, God put within us, the need for significance, the need for security and the and relationships. When God said it's not good for man to be alone, was that just a natural occurrence because we are not divine beings? We're not God. So is that just a byproduct of being a creation? These are the things I think about and I talk to God about. Or did God specifically put those things in us, that need for significance and all of that? Because he knew that as long as we stayed connected to him, he could meet those needs for us and bring us fulfillment and satisfaction in those needs. But as long as we were away from him, we would never feel fulfilled in those areas. Do you think God put that in there? Or do you think it just happens that way? That's something to think about, isn't it? So that's in Matthew chapter 4. If you go into Matthew chapter 5 now, and remember we talked about in chapter 19 of Exodus, God wanted to establish this separation from who he was, how holy he was. But now in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus seeing the multitudes went up on the mountain and began to speak to them. Not in a big cloud, not in a big fancy ordeal, nothing terrifying. He just went up and he spoke to them. And he began to talk to them. This is a good principle to follow. He starts out with the good part and then comes in with the bad part. <laughs> I shouldn't say the bad part. He starts out with blessed. Blessed are you. Blessed are you in this. Blessed are these people. Blessed, blessed, blessed. And he's talking about all these great benefits. These people who are blessed when they're in these circumstances and situations. But then he begins to talk about the new covenant. And he says, you've heard it said, thou shalt not murder. But I'm telling you, if you hate someone in your heart, you've already committed murder. Now this goes back to, remember God before gave Moses the Ten Commandments as part of the Old Covenant. And now Jesus is just sitting here on the mountain saying, hey, listen, guys, I'm telling you something new. He says, I haven't come to do away with the law I'm coming to fulfill it, to say, this is not about keeping the rules and regulations. This is about becoming a different person, a new creation. And that's the new covenant. And so in our journey, if we look back and God says, if you obey my voice and keep my covenant, you will be a special people, a kingdom of priesthood. So now we must come into this point of, Obeying God's voice, that's following God's voice, and keeping his covenant. And that covenant is the trusting in Jesus for our salvation, entering into a relationship with him. And that's how we keep the covenant, in a relationship with him. Now, many people would say, and I understand well, what you need to do is you say the sinner's prayer and you receive Jesus and then you're saved. This covenant is not about salvation as a form of get out of hell free card. This is not so that when you die, you go to heaven. This is God's plan and purpose for us to dwell in the kingdom of God. At that time in the Old Testament, in Exodus, they're marching towards the promised land. They don't understand it yet. 
in chapter 20 when God is establishing the covenant. They don't understand what's going to happen, that God is going to bring them to a place that he promised Abraham, that he promised that he's going to take care of them. But he does promise them that they're going to be a special people, and he's going to care for them in a special way. And that's the message that God wants us to know now. It's not about believing that we are going to go to heaven when we die. It's about dwelling in his kingdom here and now. What ends up happening so many times in the Christian culture of today, we get locked into this idea of salvation and our idea of what Jesus is all about was he died on the cross. He came to die on the cross to save us from our sins so that we can go to heaven when we die. That's just a fraction of the good news. He did not actually come so that when we die, we go to heaven. He came to restore us to the Father and to establish his kingdom. If we're preaching and we're teaching that it's just about saying a prayer so that when you die, you go to heaven, we are not preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. And that's what Jesus commanded us to do. This week, I'm just going to open up the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 5. Remember, again, Jesus is talking about this journey. Jesus has taken this journey, just like we all must take this journey. All of us must take this journey out of Egypt into the wilderness. When God told Moses, if they'll obey my voice and keep my covenant, I'll make them a special people. He told Moses to go tell them that. And then they had to accept their part of it. They had to say, okay, that's good for us. We agree. It became a contract. They had to receive it and say, yes, I'll do that. And that's where we're at today is we have to receive this covenant and we have to say, yes, I want to be part of this. Jesus, again, he's on the mountain seeing the multitudes. He went up on the mountain and when he was seated, his disciples came to him. And then he opened his mouth and he taught them saying, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now in the Beatitudes, when you have the term kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God, they are together in the same. I think sometimes they use that term to note time periods. Remember, we've talked about what was, what is, and what is to come. I think sometimes they use that term kingdom of heaven to note they're talking about the spirit realm. Even though we are walking in this world as followers of Christ, we are dwelling in the spiritual realm. We live in the spiritual realm at the same time we're living here. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So what they're talking about here is not being poor. It's not a blessing to be poor. I've been poor. (laughs) I remember eating grilled cheese sandwiches for a week because there was no money to buy anything and we were getting assistance because the girls were little. We got wick. So this was 30-something years ago. I guess it would have been in the late 80s. The money was all gone. And we, if it wasn't for that cheese and bread and us eating grilled cheese sandwiches for that week, we'd have been hungry. That's where we were at. I mean, we were poor. Now, I'll say that a lot of the times, the poorness at that time was because of bad decisions. I mean, they're not talking about just being poor. They're talking about being poor in spirit. What that's referring to is an understanding 
that spiritually we do not have what it takes to keep this covenant with God. Spiritually, in who we are, we are incapable of following God on our own. We need his spirit in us to be able to do this. And when we understand that, when we understand that we are poor in spirit, the spirit in us equips us and we will inherit the kingdom of heaven. We will have the kingdom of God. We will walk in the kingdom of God and all of the promises that come with that as part of it. And it says, blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Two of the large parts in our journey, and God was very specific to point it out in the book of Exodus, that there was a hunger and there was a thirst inside of us. And so he says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. And remember, we talked about that thirsting being that unquenching thing inside of us for purpose and connection, love. I forget what all different words I've used. I I wish I could paint a better picture of it, this thing inside of us. If you've ever been thirsty and just so thirsty and you try and drink water and it just didn't hit the spot and you try and drink other things, you try and drink lemonade and it just makes you more thirsty, that hunger and thirst represents this desire, this unquenchable desire to be with God, to have his presence in us. The hunger represents a purpose, a meaning in life. If you feel like, why am I here? What difference do I make? If I wasn't here, would it really even matter? And that's that hunger within us, that emptiness It brings, actually, if we live life without purpose and without meaning, it's the same thing. We we starve. Emotionally, spiritually, we will starve unless we walk in that. And so some people have talked about how people have a God-shaped hole within them. Well, that's part of the needs that he's talking about for righteousness. Well, we continue to talk about the new covenant and, and what that means, but we're not going to go too deep into it. I just want to give everybody a foundation of what it is so that we then in turn can go back to the wilderness. <laughs> because remember, we're in the wilderness because we want to find our way to the promised land and all the promises that are there. Why are we journeying towards that? What difference does that make? That's where we're going. And I want us to be able to get there. And so we'll circle back and forth. or we'll, we'll go around and around, much like the children of Israel in the wilderness. We'll go around and around and around, hopefully not for 40 years, trying to discover this. God, thank you for tonight. Thank you, God, for the promise of the promised land. Thank you, God, for your kingdom, that you've called us to a, a higher place, a deeper place, higher and deeper, but that you've called us deeper into you and a higher place here. I'm asking that you would be with each of us this week as everybody goes their way and lives their life. God, that you would continue to speak to them. Draw them to you with your loving kindness. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. 
please comment and subscribe for upcoming podcasts. To order your copy of My Real Life, go to the Take Action page at our website, reallifeministries-stl.com, or go to Real Life Ministries STL on Facebook.